Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead, and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church. And what you're about to listen to was a sermon that was preached at our Wednesday night gathering from 6.30 to 8.30 with our students. So I hope that this sermon is encouraging and a blessing to you today. Thanks for listening. It's a new year, and I'm excited for this. Um, so for those of you that are new, every single week we dive into God's Word. So it's expected to bring your Bible. Bring it. Don't, if you, have, you want to use your phone, put it on airplane mode or do not disturb. That's fine. But I, I want Redeemer students to be Bible men and women. So we, we carry a real physical Bible. So um, if you don't have one, we could provide you with one. Okay. My question that I want to start off this series, which I'm calling Rooted. So for the whole month of September, what we're doing is we're just we're going to have four different sermons. Um, this one with all guys and girls. And then the next three sermons will be we're going to be splitting up the guys and the girls separately. And we have some women from our church coming to speak to the girls. Um, just about girl things. And it's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. And, and then the guys, same. It's just going to be us guys. So it's going to be wonderful. And we're going to do that all the way through the month of September until we go to Rooted Retreat, until all of you sign up. So it's going to be wonderful. So tonight, I want to kick off this sermon, uh, the year, with uh, the passage where we pull the word rooted from. And I want to start tonight by asking you a question. What are you building your life upon? You're just saying that. What are you building your life upon? What's it founded upon? What's the purpose of your life? What, what's your, I, I, everyone's searching for a purpose and meaning and identity, but everyone has some sort of foundation in which they're standing on. Where they derive that knowledge. What is it for you? Because when I observe the landscape of this group, I'm not going to assume that every single one of you have the same foundation. And there's usually two types of people. There are those who don't know God, And they are walking through life and trying to live their life as if they're doing the milk crate challenge. All right. Some of you have seen that, you know, where they stack milk crates and they, you know, they walk on their knees, start shaking and they fall and break their back and they have to go to the hospital. Have you guys seen those videos? Okay, so everyone's tracking me here. It's terrible. It's not smart. But that's 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 the unbeliever unbeliever trying to live life founded upon himself or herself. Wobbly, you know, you might get it to the end, but still you're going to die and face judgment. But there's no stability. They have no sure foundation. They think true life is found within in their own strength. And as history attested to us over the years, there's not one person who has rejected God and not come crashing down to a great fall. Then there are those of us founded on another foundation. And this foundation is the source of all life. It is perfect. It is stable. It is strong. It's unchangeable. It's eternal. It's the source of all truth, of all goodness. And though we, Christians, stumble and fall like all people, and though often we are insecure and unstable ourselves, the rock in which we stand, the foundation in which we stand, it is stable and it is immovable. It's us that fall. But we still are grounded on the right foundation. And so as we take a step back to consider our own lives, we must ask the question, what is the foundation I'm building my life upon? 
And tonight, I want to convince you of a foundation that will never let you down. So turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. Just two verses, and you can memorize it. It's very simple. Um, And I I just want to walk through the passage. And the letter to... So Colossians come is written, is a letter written by Paul to the Colossian church while he was in prison. Okay, so Paul is in prison and he's writing this letter. Here's the context. And at the time Paul's writing, the believers in the church were being persecuted, were being pressured, sorry, and persuaded by false teaching and worldly philosophy. Scholars believe that this letter was written to fend off these false teachings. And so Paul He's writing to a bunch of believers who are being persuaded by worldly philosophy. And he's trying to convince them of a sure foundation. This false teaching consisted of or emphasized rituals and ascetic practices that is like extreme discipline, like monkish stuff, worship of angels, and most deadly regulation, the most deadly regulations based on human teaching. So the church is being attacked on two fronts. You got Rome and all of its seduction and worldliness, trying to pull believers out of the church. And then you have these false teachers that are saying, you know, Christ isn't the only way to salvation. You can earn your salvation. And then Paul reminds them and reminds us, because it's no different with us today, that we need a sure foundation. We need the truth. And so look what Paul writes. Let's start in verse 1 in chapter 2. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, And for those at Laodicea. And for all who have not seen me face to face. That their hearts may be encouraged. Being knit together in love. To reach all the riches of full assurance. Of understanding. And the knowledge of God's mystery. Which is Christ. In whom whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you. Or persuade you. Delude you with plausible arguments, arguments that sound truth. They have a little bit of truth in them, but they're really error. False teaching, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. And here's our passage. Your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This is my hope for every single one of you, that you would receive Christ Jesus as Lord, that you would then walk in Christ, that you would be rooted in him and built up in him and established in the faith, just as I have taught you over the years and just as you're being taught now, and abounding and overflowing in thanksgiving. That's my hope. That's why we do Redeemer Students. And so we're all born in sin. We need a better foundation. So I got three points tonight. So what is Paul calling us to do? The first thing is to receive Christ. Receive Christ. That's what we're about here. We want every single one of you to receive Christ. Look what he says in verse 6. Therefore, as you receive, past tense, he's talking to believers, Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. But obviously I want to emphasize the receiving. What does it mean to receive Christ? To receive Christ is to formally and mentally agree with or assent to the gospel, the content, the factual uh, gospel, which is that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, lived the life that you should have lived, lived perfectly. He was God in the flesh, and he died on the cross for your sins. 
And he rose again from the dead. He's alive today. He will come again and judge the earth. The Colossian church, they had received this. They had mentally agreed with this. They, had, they have accepted the message of the gospel as authority. Just as you would in, in any fact or news, you all have authority figures in your life that you're like, you yeah, know, I'm going to listen to that. You know, that person's really smart. smart. They got all the credentials. So I'm going to receive their knowledge as authoritative and I'm going to believe it, right? Maybe from a credible teacher. Well, in this case, we have the Colossian church, the believers, true believers, receive Christ and his message, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, as authoritative. And Paul, who is the teacher, is reminding the church that they've received Christ, which meant that they didn't just mentally agree with it. What does it mean to receive Christ? It means that they have made a confession that their whole life is now submitted to the Lordship of Christ. Look what it says. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, he's the owner, he's the king, he's the sovereign one. And so my question is, who is your authority? Every single one of you, you submit to your, li- your lives to someone. Every single one of you have an authority, whether you're a believer or non-believer. By what authoritative standard are you living your life? Who is in the driver's seat? Who is the builder of your life? See, it's either Christ and God's word, who is our authority, just like these believers. They have received Christ Jesus as Lord, as authority, as the promised Messiah who owns them, who bought them. Or, if you're a part of another religion, you have a different authority. Or, usually it's typically yourselves, right? You are your own authority. You are your own God. Not, there's not one of you that doesn't have an authority. But for believers, the answer is very clear in the text. Jesus is the Lord. Okay, but what makes Jesus the Lord? Why? Why do we call him Lord? If you just go back in Colossians chapter 1... If you have your Bibles, you can look with me in verse 15. What does it say about Jesus here? What makes him Lord? Why should I submit myself to him? I'm not just going to submit myself to a liar or a lunatic, but if he truly is Lord, then I might do that. Well, who is Jesus? Verse 15 in chapter 1. He is the image of the invisible God. In other words, we behold the glory of God in the person and work of Jesus Christ in his face. The firstborn, he's the firstborn of all creation, which means he's the heir. He wasn't a created being. Jesus was not created. He's eternal God. For by him, this is Jesus, for by Jesus, all things were created. See, you're either a creator or a creature. We are creatures. He's the creator. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. And he is before all things. He's eternal God. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, the first to defeat sin and death and rise again and not die again. That's what that means. That in everything, he might be supreme. He might be the goat. He might be preeminent. For in him, verse 19, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. There you go, Mormons. Jesus is God. Verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. 
Have you received Jesus as the authoritative one? Not only your creator, but your savior. We all have an authority. You could put your trust in yourself, but you will fail. You cannot save your soul. But there is one whom you must receive. And if you have received them, there will be evidence. So what would be the evidence of that? The evidence, if you have received Jesus Christ by faith, you've been brought into a union with him. You've been, you, you, you no longer identify with your sin or your old self, but now you are identified in Christ Jesus. But how will that manifest? How do I know I've received Christ? How do I know I'm in union with Jesus? Well, in the same way, just like when I got married, and the moment I received Caitlin as my wife, and vice versa, all that was hers became mine, and my life was forever changed, right? So, how do I know that I'm married? <laughs> I no longer live as a single bachelor. I'm a new person. I, 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 and now I'm called to live according to my new status as married. I'm not open or free to pursue any woman. She is my wife. I have a new life. I have a new allegiance. In the same way, those of you that have received Christ, you've been brought into union with Jesus. You have a new name, a new identity, a new allegiance. And, and so in the same way, we ask, what does it mean or what does it look like to be in union with Christ once you receive him? Point number two, it means to walk in Christ. Walk in Christ. We get this from the passage. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. There's an effect. When you receive Jesus Christ as Lord It's not just mere lip service. Your life changes. You're on a new path. You're following a new captain. Right? You were on this team. You're now on this team. Right? You were once on the Bears. Now you're on the Packers. I'm just kidding. It's probably bad. Some of you hate the Packers. Right? You are now serving Thanos and your sin and wickedness. And now... You are an Avenger. I'm just kidding. You've changed teams. You have a new allegiance. You have a new captain, right? So that means, what does Paul say? He says, therefore, as you receive Christ, there's going to be evidence. So what's the command? Walk in him. Those who receive Christ, they walk in Christ. Now, there's always this weird language. Like, what do you mean in him? Walk in him. It means to live in accordance with who you are in Christ. So what does it mean to walk in Christ? It means to live a life conformed to our union with Christ. Let me picture this, okay? In other words, when Tom Brady was traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even if you don't like sports, you can still understand this. Tom Brady was once a patriot. He is traded. He signs a new covenant with Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a new contract, right? He entered into a new union with that team. He received that contract and he accepted it. And stamped his life on it, right? And for Tom Brady, what does it mean for him to walk in accordance with this new union? It means that he puts on the jersey, right? It means that he gets to know his teammates. He comes to love them. He learns the new plays. He cheers for his teammates, right? He, he wins another Super Bowl, right? And, and it goes on. He's now, he's got a new identity. So what does it mean when Paul says, therefore, as you receive Christ, so walk in him? It's exactly the same thing. You're on a new team. And what Paul means when he calls you to walk in Christ, 
He doesn't use Tom Brady as an illustration, though that would be a good one. But rather, he uses three metaphors to illustrate the meaning of what it means to walk in Christ. He describes the Christian. And what does he say? So what does it look like to walk in Christ? Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Now, what does that mean? What does it look like for a Christian to walk in Him? It means to be rooted. It means that you are rooted and being built up in Him and established in the faith just as you were taught and abounding in, uh, in thanksgiving. So four things here. This is what it means to be a Christian. First, when you receive Jesus, it means that you are planted. You're planted. All right? These aren't my points, but you could write them down. Where do I get this word planted? You guys see that in the text? It's the word rooted. It's rooted. Now, you, what do you think when you think roots? Well, you think when they're a tree, right? It's been planted and the roots go down to the ground. And that's what Paul is saying. For those that are Christians... They are, in the past, they have been rooted. They've been fixed to Jesus Christ. They've sunk their roots down into Him, His person and work, by faith. It's all by faith that we receive Jesus. To be firmly planted. Again, this is past tense. It's a work of God to plant us into Jesus Christ. So when you receive Jesus, God takes you by His grace and He plants you. He grafts you into Christ. He he, he establishes a new you in Christ. We're all rooted into something. We're, our roots are either rooted in Christ, in streams of living water, or in pools of stagnant faith. See, we're all getting our nutrients from someone, right? We're all planted in something, whether it's ourselves or Christ. I think of the summer or the spring when I had to pull out a bunch of plants from my truck. And one was so, the roots were so deep that I started burning out in my truck in my, in my driveway. It's pretty uh, embarrassing. But I finally got the thing out. That thing was rooted deep, but not rooted enough, right? But if you're in Christ, you've been rooted into a person that can never let you down, that, can nev- that you can never be pulled out of. And so that's what it means to be a Christian, It means that you're rooted in something. I think of Psalm 1 when it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, who sits not in the seat of scoffers, um, who stands not in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And day and night he meditates on his law. And he will be like a tree planted near streams of water. And in its fruit, and in its due time, in its season, he will bear fruit. And its leaf will not wither. And so are you planted in Christ the living water, or what are you planted in? That's the question. The second thing that we see, what it means to walk in Christ, not only are you rooted in Him, but then you're being built in Him. It's the word growing. So now, not, to be a Christian means to be planted. It means that you're growing in Christ. And the idea of being built up is like a building that's being built. And it's nearing completion. And for those who walk in Christ, they will find themselves being built up to become more and more like Him. You'll come to look like Jesus more. And again, this being built up is not a work of your own. You can't root yourself. You can't build up yourself. <laughs> so how does God build us up? How are, we, how, how are we supposed to grow? If we've been planted, now we've got to grow. Three simple ways. One is through 
what is called the ordinary means of grace. Through the preaching of God's word. That's how he grows his people. Through seeing baptisms and taking the Lord's Supper on Sunday mornings. Through prayer. That's how God grows us. But secondly, through community. It's the point of life groups. It's the point of this group. And serving. When you serve, you get to humbly join in with the saints and live your life for Jesus, growing in Him. So my question is, what are you being built up in? We're all planted in something. (laughs) Our roots are, are sunk down into someone or something. Is it Christ? And then all of you are growing. You're either growing in pride, in self-sufficiency, or you're growing in humility. You're growing in Christ. What are you being built up in? If it's pride, think of King Nebuchadnezzar. He builds this awesome statue of himself and he makes everyone bow down to it. But then eventually God humbles him and he turns him into a wild beast. And that'll probably happen to you. I'm just kidding. It's a good... That actually happened now. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Are you trying to build your own life? Are you like the disciples in the stormy weather trying to row across the Sea of Galilee and you're not making any headway? You can't do it. Who, what do you need? You need Jesus. You need Jesus to get in the boat. You're trying to live life on your own. He needs to build you up. You can't do it alone. Submit to Him. And so to be a Christian is to be rooted in Christ, but then also God provides grace to grow you. And it's not a work of your own. If you come here, you hear the preaching. You're not just a hearer, but a doer. You, you seek prayer with the saints, community and accountability. Here in life groups, you utilize your leaders to help you and counsel you through hard things. You will grow in Christ. And that's what I hope to be this ministry to be for you. So what does it mean to walk in Christ? It means to be rooted in Christ. It means to be built up in Christ, in him. And then third, established. Established in the faith, but I like the word strengthened. Strengthened in Christ. So planted, growing, and strengthened in Christ. Those who walk in Christ will become more and more and more established, confirmed, stable, and assured. I love what Ephesians 2.20 says. It gives this picture. It says, But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. He is our foundation. He is the one who we find strength in. We're all seeking strength. So not only we, we're not all, we're all rooted in something. We're all trying to build our lives or we're being built by someone or something. And we're all seeking to be strengthened and established and confirmed. We want assurance. My question to you is this. How do you know that when you die and face judgment, that you will be accepted into heaven? How do you know? What's your assurance? Do you have assurance? Because those who, are, who walk in Jesus, they, they have assurance. They're strengthened. They're established. They're confirmed in their faith. So how do you know? I don't know about you, but I want assurance. I want security. For most of the people in the world, their assurance is that they live a good life, that they're a good person, that they do good things, that they go to church, that they do all the right things. They look inward for their assurance. 
But friends, if you want real, genuine assurance, you must not look inward. You must look outward, outside of yourselves, to Jesus Christ. He is your only hope. You must look outside of yourself to the object of your faith, to be established in the faith, and that is Jesus. Your faith is only as strong as the object that your faith is resting in. Does that make sense? So when I go and sit on a chair, you guys are all sitting on a chair right now. You're exercising faith. That means that you have faith in that object. What's the object? The chair. The job. So when it comes to spiritual life, who's the object of your faith? Is it your good works? Is it the fact that you said a prayer sometime? Or is it Jesus Christ? You see? And our, what I would want to see out of this year is I want to strengthen you in Christ. Every single sermon filled with Christ. And it's not me. It's not us. We're filthy sinners. We need uh, assurance and strength outside of ourselves. And that's what Paul is getting at. He says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as the authority, walk in him, being rooted and built up in him and strengthened in the faith. Do you want to be rooted? Do you want to be built up? Do you want to be established and have assurance? You need to look outside of yourselves to Jesus Christ. And you need your brothers and sisters to encourage you to get your eyes off your filthy self. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't care how many likes you get on Instagram for posting a selfie. It, when you look inward, it's not pretty. It's not. I know the guys know that. We're not pretty people. That's why God made women much more pretty than men. We just need to get over that. You, know? you get the point. We need to look outside of ourselves to Christ. That's what it means to walk in Him, to live in union with Him. And you know what's really interesting? Look in the text. So... When Paul says, walk in him, that's a command for you to do. You are to walk in Jesus. You are to conduct your life in accordance with God's word. But then when he describes what it means to be walking in Christ, to be rooted, to be built up or growing, and to be strengthened, all of those words are verbs. You guys know what a verb is, right? It's an action. And... We are the object of that action. That means we're passive. Does that make sense? So, right, what does it mean to be active? It means that I'm doing the action, right? But to be passive means that the action is being done to me. English right now. So God is the one who roots us, who builds us up and establishes us. It's not a work of ourselves. Did you know that? That's God's grace. That's amazing. So what am I to do? You're to look to Jesus, For he's provided everything. And what's the last thing in the text? Abounding. So what's the result? Abounding in thanksgiving. Overflowing with gratitude. Growing and growing is the word abounding. So once you're rooted in Christ by his grace, then he roots you. He will build you up and he will strengthen you. He will cause you to grow even more. It's so simple. All we need to do is trust in Jesus and obey him. But our legalistic hearts confuse us. We think that growing in Christ means climbing up this spiritual ladder of holiness. And look at me. Look how beautiful and awesome I am until our pride gets, makes us so, we're filled with fatness of pride. And then we fall off the ladder to our downfall, right? That's what happens. Or there's some of you at the bottom of the ladder saying, I could never be like Joe, screwdriver up there. <laughs> I don't know. Or Sally, look at her. She's so holy. She does her devotions every day. And you're, you, 
And you get filled with despair. So you have people that are trying to climb the spiritual ladder. Look at me. I, I, I'm growing. Look at all this work that I'm doing. Then you have the people that are just in despair. I can never be that good enough. That's our legalistic hearts. What Paul is saying is, look, your salvation and your growth is not a work that you do. It's a work that Christ does to you through the Holy Spirit. You need to trust in him and yield to him. Come under his authority and watch him grow you as you keep your eyes on him. We do not root ourselves. We do not build up ourselves. We do not strengthen ourselves. These are all benefits of grace. So walk and live according to our great salvation with great joy and thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but that I have freedom now to live for Jesus because it's not all on me. That is good news. In a world where everyone is trying to climb the ladder of success, either becoming puffed up with pride or despair, and they resent life, they're not grateful because their life is all about themselves and they're lost. But those in Christ, we are known for our gratitude, our thanksgiving. And when we look to Jesus and we see that grace, we're filled with thanksgiving. And then when we're filled with thanksgiving, like when I, when I look and I see my wife for who she is, right? I, she's so beautiful. I love her, right? And my heart then is filled with thanksgiving. Like, Lord, you gave her to me. And then what that happens, like, man, I want to bless her. I want to serve her in a way. So then I go and I, I move to go do something that she, she loves, whether that's a letter or flowers, right? Obedience. And then it comes back around. And then I give that to her. And then I see her again. I'm like, I'm filled with thanksgiving. And then I move to, thanks, then I move to obedience. And it's the same in the Christian life. When we cast our eyes upon Jesus, and we behold him for who he is, then we're filled with thanksgiving. When we're filled with thanksgiving, we want to serve him. You see? We want to live for him. That's what Paul is getting after. And then we live for him and then we see him again. And then over and over and over. As Christians, we should be the most thankful and grateful people because we've been saved by grace. My conclusion and my last point, very shortly, is this. Choose life in Christ. That was the title of my sermon. I didn't tell you at the beginning. But choose life specifically in Christ. There's two ways to live. Which are you going to choose? You can either build your life by yourself, based on your own authority, rooted in yourself, being built up in yourself, strengthened in yourself, or you could walk in Christ and live for Him, receive Him by faith, and walk in Him this day and forevermore until you are received into heaven. The purpose of rooted retreat at the beginning of the year why we're not doing a winter retreat is because at the beginning of the year i want you guys to have your faith fortified in christ i want your friendships to be forged now and so if there's one way that one thing one event that we want to put on to help you become more established more rooted more growing in christ it is this event i want you guys to sign up and go and have a great time